0: Hello. How are you? Excuse me. How are you all doing tonight? Good. What? I didn't hear anybody say. You doing good? Good evening. Y'all staring back at me. There's no conversation going on here. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get started this evening with our first song. Oh, say but I'm glad. You got to smile at me while we do this song. Or I won't allow it. I won't allow it. You're going to have to do it again if you don't smile. Right? Just stand up. Let's go. Hope you all are doing good and had a good Wednesday. Let's sing together. There is a song in my heart today
1: Something I never had Jesus has taken my sins away Oh, say, but I'm glad Oh, say, but I'm glad I'm glad Oh, say, but I'm glad Jesus has come
0: me something today and I thought I'd share it with you guys while we're thinking about this song. She said, well she she's doing read a devotional book or something and and she texts me this regardless of what we long for, satisfaction apart from Jesus Christ does not exist. And we are the happy people, we are the glad people because we know the end of life. We know what's going on and we know we have a certain hope and a certain future and uh, a joyous future to look forward to regardless of the circumstances or the, or the things in life that bring us down and discourage us and depress us. Living for Christ is the answer to your search for joy and happiness in life. So let's sing on that third verse now. Won't you
1: come to Him with all your care and
0: Stay by the blood. So we'll sing it. Come thou found of every blessing. Come thou found of
1: every blessing.
2: There's different, obviously, than the one we all know. And they changed the words. Drives me nuts. If you guys didn't know that it changed the... Why did you change the words we know and not change the Ebenezer? I don't know. I know. It's exactly right. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm glad they didn't change the Ebenezer. That's the nice biblical term, and I like it. But anyway, good to have you all. Oh, good to have the college students in with us. Pastor Brett's little one, Beckham, is back in the hospital this afternoon, this evening. He's at the ER anyway. Um... So they're just having breathing issues yet again, so they're gonna hopefully do a breathing treatment. That may be him giving me an update. Let's see if it is, I don't know. Uh, But they're doing a breathing treatment. Hopefully it is viral, this is. Just got the breathing treatment, now waiting while they monitor him. So uh, assuming it's viral and breathing treatment does what it's supposed to, they're gonna go ahead and send him on home. Uh, But um, anyway, just pray for them, there's Brett's, friend, those of you who might remember, um, Kevin Risma's been here several times with the soccer team. He's about this tall, got a smile as big as Alabama. It's just, you know, anyway, so that's kind of, he's getting married and so Brett's trying to go down there for that. And so they're supposed to go down there this weekend. We'll see if they can make it. So uh, that's the prayer. If you would just uh, pray for them to do that. And then um, then Ed Gannon texted me just a little bit ago. They are, you know. Brenda does not have the major thing, whatever that was, a something uh, with her lungs, so that was a real praise, and they, she's been cleared to go on of uh, that cruise that they're headed out to. But uh, he says, "I took a fall today. Please pray for me. We have a long trip starting tomorrow, so we'd appreciate it. So if you'd pray for Ed Gannon, I know that they would appreciate that as well, as uh, he's recovering from that. And then. Uh, Mike Rogers, Mike and Trophina. Mike had his other hip replacement this week, so uh, that was on Monday, Is that Monday? And uh, he's doing okay, in a lot of pain, but just uh, pray for them. I'll pray and uh, then I'm gonna hand it over to Captain Bly. He's taking it from here for the next couple of weeks and looking forward to as we continue our study of these um, current events and looking at them through the lens of the scripture. Father, we love you, we thank you for your blessings. We ask that you would uh, just be with Brother Mike and help his pain levels to be down and heal him up quickly. Be with Brother Ed, help him not to hurt anything badly as they get ready to take their trip and watch over them. Be with little Beckham, strengthen his body as the doctors are working there to uh, figure out just what's going on with his breathing. This is the second time he's been in the hospital with this. Pray that you just watch over them. And be with mom and dad as they're having to deal with those things. Be with the Maranatha group as they're uh, leaving out here tomorrow to uh, to go to school. and. Uh, just bless our time here together the teenagers and the juana as they're meeting in other parts of the building and we'll thank and praise you in jesus name amen if you notice the big bus the maranatha bus is out there that's because they're meeting here tomorrow at nine o'clock kids who have signed up or they're you know they they meet here from indianapolis and they take them up to the to the visit the college uh so anyways, that's what they're doing here that bus won't be there when you leave here uh there's, a, there's three buses involved, and one of them had a radiator that went out, and the only place they could find that had the radiator for this bus is in Louisville. And it's a huge piece of equipment, I guess, the radiator, so they need to take this bus to pick up the part. So he's going tonight to Louisville, get the part, and coming back tonight with the part for the other bus, so anyway, I'm just telling you what's going on. So uh, that's, that's what's happening there. This morning, I mentioned, I'm going to go ahead and mention it. Um, You know, last week, we talked about blessing and cursing Israel. And I wanted to kind of clarify something. When we, in the Old Testament, when a prophet would point out Israel's sin, that is not cursing Israel. Do you understand? It's not a curse, to be honest. It's speaking the truth in love. Cursing Israel is something similar to what one of our Congress people did this last week. Or at least they got censored for it. When you are literally calling for the eradication of the Jewish people, uh, that would be cursing Israel. And um, there's a blessing that comes with blessing Israel that's an eternal promise from God. And there's a curse that comes from cursing Israel that's an eternal promise from God. My representative from the city of Indianapolis is Andre Carson, our church's area representative, is supporting that congressperson, you know? So, you know, uh, Brother Captain is gonna point out to us we don't need to worry, and I would agree with him, we don't worry, but I tell you, you know what it does? It puts us right in the crosshairs of God's judgment. You know, when a people are standing cursing Israel, God's made a promise. I will curse those who curse you. And God's curses are much harsher than our own, you know? So just something we need to be praying for. But uh, don't worry. Come on, come on.
3: Well, as pastor mentioned, um, Representative Talib from uh, Michigan, um, I was looking at a few things this afternoon, uh, just out of curiosity more than anything, and uh, one of the things that I noticed, you know, most of the time when you see a representative's name, you see in parentheses D or R, and then you see um, a location for them. <clears throat> and what I, was, what I found somewhat stunning uh, was that it's D hyphen Ramallah. Ramallah Michigan now, Does the word Ramallah mean anything to anybody it's not in the United States It has nothing to do with our history it has nothing to do with anything that's ours she's the only and she said on the floor Palestinian in Congress we're going to get to the the uh, the misrepresentation of, of facts uh, this evening uh, as it relates to the word Palestine but um, next week, I'm hoping that uh, there's an article here in World Magazine, and um, it's one of, the mag- one of the few magazines that I still get because it's worth reading, um, and it's, it, the title of the article is Out for Blood, and it's basically got a four-page timeline and several other things in it. Um, I, I contacted the editor, asked if we could make copies of it, and so over the course of the next week, we're gonna get it copied so that you've got some copies of it. It's worth looking at and it's worth having The timeline because it goes back to 1914 um, and the Balfour Declaration and the Balfour Declaration has a lot of of historical um, information that's connected to to what we're going to be dealing with. Um, More specifically tonight we're going to deal with Israel and current events but as is almost always the case whenever we study a subject If we don't get our biblical history right, and if we don't get our theology right, in our, our our knowledge of the Bible right, um, we're going to come up with wrong conclusions, and we're going to have different responses um, to to what's going on. <clears throat> but what I want to do this evening is to start with a current events question, um, because this is this is. This is critical. If we don't know what's going on in the who's who in the, in the mix of things, um, we, we're probably not going to understand what's really going on. So does anybody know who Chuck Schumer is? Okay, the chuckles and the smiles tell me that you know something about the man, okay? Well, he's the, he's the U.S. Senate majority leader, right? Now, okay, that's fine, um, what does that really mean? It just that means he's the head of the Democrats, uh, which is the next bullet, uh, and actually two bullets. That, it did this this morning, and, and they guaranteed me that they w- it wasn't going to do that this evening. But all right. So he's the Senate Majority Leader. He's a Democrat. But here's the key piece. He is a Jew. And so I ask you this, this question. Why is this important? Why is a Jew... Chuck Schumer, who is the U.S. Senate Majority Leader, supporting aid to Hamas. Why is a Jew supporting aid to Hamas, which has dedicated itself toward eradicating um, Israel from the sea to the river? I mean, have you heard the sea to the river statement that's been being made both in Congress and in the news, etc.? You have to ask yourself the question what's, what on earth is going on in this country and around the world if Jews are supporting Hamas, which is a terror slash guerrilla group of Islam that's, that's supported by Iran, Qatar, Iraq, Iran, I mean, etc. And so this is, this is the confusion that we're facing, is that this is, this is the nature of the beast that we're looking at, okay, when we're trying to understand this. <clears throat> and as we, as we kind of expand our understanding of this, and, and we just move it past Chuck Schumer and uh, Talib, I would expect, because she is a Muslim, um, even though she doesn't wear the hijab or anything else, but she is nevertheless a Muslim, Um, And we ask a couple of statistical questions. Why do 1 in 10 Jews in the United States today support Hamas? Now, when when you start to grasp a hold of this, this really tells you something about the nature of Jews, but also, this is in the 21st century, but understand that, when we When we read through the Old Testament, one of the things that God that just irked the living daylights out of God was the Jews accepted and an adopted and replaced God with all of the idols of all of the nations that that were surrounding them, and and they basically forgot you know and remember the you know the the golden calf and the list goes on and on and on and on this is not. A surprise it should not be a surprise to us that that we see this going on in the 21st century and then you you take this this statistical model that, that's been put out there why do 40% of urban Jews support Hamas and when I say urban Jews I'm talking about those that live in cities that are on college campuses that are part of college college faculty and in majors um, research facilities etc etc why is that the case, right? And and you, you, it may rack your brain a little bit, but what it should tell you is the nature of the relationship of most Jews to to God the Father, to the Messiah, to understanding the Messiah, to understanding what's happening in terms of of, of uh, time in history. But we have to be careful because it's really easy to say, ah, those Jews, they just they just don't get it. They've you know, and and, and to put you know, to continue the sense that they deserve every bit of the, the captivity they've had, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's very easy to say that, right? But we need to think through some things as it relates to this because as we're looking at current events writ large, <clears throat> we, we need to make sure that we've got a biblical perspective on how we're approaching this. And where certain verses pa- uh, show up in the Bible is, 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 is a strong indicator of of the significance of it, because it tells you where in the chronology of God's relationship to mankind that he revealed certain things to us that should help us in comprehending what's going on. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things that are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may may do all the words of this law. Now let's tear this apart for a minute. He begins by saying the secret things belong unto the Lord. What does that state? What is, what's the, the key aspect of that statement? There is what? Say it again, Brooke. Right. There's some things that the Lord has determined we don't need to know this side of heaven. Right? Um, he has not told us everything. <clears throat> um, and I, I'm just going to be candid. I mean, I've, I've known the Lord for 50 years, and I've been reading my Bible once a, once a year, throughout the year, most of those years. And I've, I've read it in a variety of translations just simply because I want to you know, expand my comprehension and see how the words are used, et cetera. But every year, there's, there's new things that come together and, 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 and new things. How, you say to yourself, how did I miss that? And so at the end of the day, for my own self, I'm glad that the Bible's not any bigger than it is because it's, it's already overwhelming for me to grab a hold of and completely comprehend. So, but he said, but those things which are revealed belong to us, okay? They're, they're ours to have, and to our children forever. This, this, is, this harkens back to Deuteronomy um, 6. And, and so and mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, um, guess what? If your kids don't know the Bible, it's on you, all right? You've got the primary responsibility to make sure that your kids are biblically literate. And by that I don't mean just they can memorize and spit back a few verses. They understand the scripture and the tenor of the scripture and what's going on. And then he says that we may do all the words of this law. Now, you think about that for a second. Do all the words of this law uh, have have you had any trouble keeping track of and accomplishing everything that's in the Bible in terms of what you need to be doing on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, it's sufficient. I mean, it's enough to keep me busy for the rest of my life and for, for each of you as well. Um, and then we, then we move to the New Testament in Matthew 24 and verse 6. It says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of war. And see, that they are not, and see that ye be not troubled, for, these things, for all these things might, must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Now, here's the thing that I've, I've heard over the years, and I've always been fascinated by this, and it wasn't until I really sat down and looked at this in the context of getting ready for this that this, there was this dawning epiphany. When we hear people talk about Matthew 24, 6, Almost always, what they say is this: "And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war," and they stop. And therein lies the problem, because as you think about that, um, and then you think about and you hear about what how people are responding or have been responding uh, to what's happened since October seventh, and some people are in frantic panic mode. Um, we had frantic panic mode in the church. After 9/11, etc., and and so he's making a definitive statement: There shall you, you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. Definitive statement, and and that shouldn't bother us. We should expect to hear about wars and rumors of war as a routine. We should expect that to be in the news. We should expect it. But then he says, "See that ye be not troubled." If the wars and rumors of war whether it's in Gaza or Israel or Afghanistan, or pick a place, gets under your skin, uh, gets you upset, you need to back up a little bit and say, okay, God said don't be troubled about this. This is what is going to be. There will always be wars and rumors of war. For all these things must come to pass. And so there's this promise that these wars and rumors of war will have to, have to happen, and they will have to come to pass, and then he says, but the end is not yet. Oh, the end is not yet. And I hear more rumors of war and so forth, but the end is not yet. So I shouldn't be expecting, I should not be trying to pin, uh, you know, pin a pin on the calendar and say, this is the end date. No. And so, so if, we, if we can grab a hold of this and say, okay, so this is, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. And then in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, it says, and this is one of the few places when, after the Gospels where Christ is actually speaking, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Which is to say the Father has laid it all out, but it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Again, we see this being repeated for us. Uh, and, and that's important. Okay, So if, if he said it's not for you to know the times of the season, it's not for you to know the times of the season. So quit asking the question I told you not to ask in so many words, all right? Um, and then Paul, I, I love Paul, because he, he sometimes just takes it and then he just goes, listen up, or something along that line, or hit you in the back of the head with a two-by-four. He said, but of the times and seasons, brethren, so I, I, you know, if you're, re- you're reading it for the first time you go, well, I wonder what, wonder what he's going to say about this. Ye have no need that I write unto you. There is absolutely no reason for me to write anything in all the epistles about this issue of the times and seasons. And yet, how many times do you hear hear people, how many times in years gone by, decades gone by, all the prophecy speakers, all the prophecy individuals tell you and you know you you can put name after name after name after name for all of those things and they tell you that this here's the answer the the time of the season is going to be here or there well paul already made it really clear in thessalonians mind you that there is no need that he write this unto you and so as we think about this okay and, and we're talking to other people and part of this is is to understand the current events but part of it is to understand the mindset that we need to have when we're talking to people and people are asking questions about this, you might hear say, someone say to you, well, you're a Christian. Um, don't you know where the, what's, what's happening? Don't you know what's going on? And the answer to the question is, well, no. All I know is this is another war that we've been promised is going to occur, and there's going to be more, there are going to be more wars um, in, in the days ahead. And God's in control. And he said, you've got all you need. And and you you say that in in a very kind and and careful way to people. It helps them to realize that we're we're not losing any sleep over what's going on in current events. We're not. We shouldn't be. Now, what we may be losing sleep over is what Pastor's been teaching us over the last month month or so about our relationship to the gospel and, and, and what we're conveying to the people that are around us when we're not doing what God's told us to do, well, that ought to give us reason to lose some sleep. So as, as we think about this, if, if, if we are the people who are fretting about the times and the seasons, we've got to give some thought to that, okay? There ought not to be any of that in, in our lives right now. Um, are, they, are the circumstances frustrating? Uh, yes, we learn about the Old Testament, we learn about the, the Chuck Schumers, if you will, of centuries ago. There were leaders in Israel who basically functioned no different than Chuck Schumer does today. Um, and he's in allegiance with those that are that are not all about, you know, the promises to Israel, etc. And so when we when we think about those things, we we should be anticipating Some things. Now, at the same time, okay, while we have this going on in our minds and in our lives, and we're we're just we're confidently being able to to grasp the newspaper and not be upset by it, not be letting the the uh, the headlines or the 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 news feeds or whatever else um, get us upset. We need to know what is actually going on in the real world, so that we can we can. we can explain things to people and, and, and we can have concrete reasons for what we believe. Now back in, in 2016, uh, when I did the series on Islam, this is a slide from back then with a little bit of addition to it. <clears throat> when we talk about Islam, this is a definition that I developed that I when back in, after 2001 in the Pentagon um, after 9/11 to help our illiterate leaders, and I, and I mean this, but no fault of theirs, they were a product of the education system of this country since the 1950s and 60s, and, and they had never heard, of, and, they, and they never studied history of civilization. So they, they were missing great huge pieces and parts of, of the history of, of the world. And, and so many of them had just, you know, they, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vague word in their, in their background, Islam. But we we never studied for the most part um, the Middle East um, since the, the early nineteen fifties, all right? Back when they still taught the history of, of civilization and they taught it globally, all right? So as we as we think about this, when we ask the question, well, what is Islam? I mean, so so you know, what, what is the problem with Talib as far as we're concerned? Well, it's a comprehensive system of thought and life. Now I'm going from from big picture down to the details which help us to comprehend what it really is all about. It's a comprehensive system of thought in life. And when I say comprehensive, it it covers everything that's that's a part of how how does a Muslim live their life in a way which is going to be pleasing and acceptable to Allah. And when I say comprehensive, I mean comprehensively comprehensive. And, it's, and, and the, the next piece of it is this. It's a replacement civilization. They view the, 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 the job, the purpose of every Muslim is to replace all other civilization on the planet with Islam. And there should be no other civilization functioning, existing whatsoever, anywhere on the planet. Not just in the Middle East, but anywhere on the planet. And, and until they've accomplished that, they've, they've been disobedient to Allah. And, and Allah, the, uh, Allah, the God of Islam... Is 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 in in no way the equivalent of our God in terms of he is a punitive, um, capricious entity. Um, I won't even give him the the credit of being a god even in the the, the general sense of it. Um, and, and 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 so when you're trying to figure out how do I how do I survive in this 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 civilization that I'm living in. Um, you have to really dig in, and, and we'll, we'll explain a little bit more about that in a minute, but then it's a distinct legal system, okay? The entire legal system of Islam has no comparison, no no agreement with anything that we have in terms of what we would call the Judeo-Christian legal system of the United States or most of, much of Western Europe and the rest of the world, all right? And then, then this next word is extremely important, within which is a religion. So when you say the religion of Islam, you're talking about that very small aspect of it that deals with the, the half a dozen things that happen in the mosque on, on, on any given weekend, or throughout, throughout the, the, the week, for that matter. And so when you, when you ask, your question, ask yourself the question, what does this really mean in terms of daily living, As it relates to a Muslim living anywhere else in the world, if their intention is to replace the civilization, which is to to replace the entire legal system, which is to replace the entire set of religious options that are available to you, then you have to ask this question Can a Muslim, I mean, can a person who is a Muslim support and defend the U.S. Constitution as it is written? Absolutely not. In fact, when you, say, when you say to them, when I ask a Muslim, how can you be an American and, and, and an American citizen? And they look at you sort of crazy. I said, will you defend and support the Constitution as it's written? They get really angry very quickly because they say, no, Allah won't let me do that. A, a genuine Muslim will tell you that right away. And, and so you ask the question, how is it possible that we have Muslims in Congress, Muslims here in, in, in positions... Of political responsibility, been voted into office, and so this is this is the the upside down situation that we find ourselves living with in the United States.
2: <clears throat>
3: then, when we talk about the from an Islamic perspective, um, uh, it, it, Hassan Abana, Hassan Al who is who was the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, um, back in, in in a day, uh, back in the 40s and 50s, I think, if I remember right. It is the nature of, of Islam to dominate. Right? They're, and they're very blunt about this. Not to be dominated. That is, there's nobody that's supposed to have any control, every, any authority over a Muslim except another Muslim. And the only belief system that, that is acceptable to them is that which is the, the belief system of Islam. And they are the ones that are to, to dominate. There's to dominate the government, they to do- dominate civilization, they're to dominate your neighborhood, it's, and it to, then it's to impose its law, the Sharia, on all nations and to extend its power to the entire planet. So this is, this is Islam. And, and if we don't understand that that is Islam, that's what every Muslim understands and every Muslim believes, and we think somehow or another um, they can be good Americans, they're only good Americans if they've achieved the objective that they have, and they, they've done this in some areas of the country. Go to Minneapolis-St. Paul, for example, and, and several other places in the country. We're up in uh, Dearborn, Michigan. Um, and and this, is, this is exactly what is going on. The Sharia law is what controls the law and the courts in, in many of those areas. How did that happen? Well, it's, it's called ignorance of, the, of human history, ignorance of, of civilization, and, and, and truthfully, ignorance of our Bible. And what is Christianity? And who is the God of Christianity? So, and as we try to figure out what's going on, the one thing about the Middle East and, and the, I'll call it, the simpler cultures of, of, of humanity is that they're, they're, they're very proverb-like in terms of helping them, themselves to understand things. So. This is a tribal proverb that has an Arab aspect to it, and so when you when you're watching what's going on um, in, in, the, in Islam or any place in you know most places still today in, in Africa or a- India or uh, China for that matter, the this proverb it basically lays out how how does the society structure itself? All right is my, me against my brother me and my brother against my family me and my family against the clan me and my clan against the tribe me and my tribe against the nation and I'm going to stop there because this one is one that was added more recently when we got to the, nation, the addition of nation states in terms of what's going on around the world and, and when, you, when you look at this this is, this is also called the, the proverb of the common enemy if my, my enemy is your enemy and your enemy is my enemy, then we will fight together uh, against that, that common enemy, which, which is, is very important because it, it then explains why you have some of these linkages of, 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 of entities and so forth, and, and why they're fighting with each other. And, and, and I mean just I'll give you the the, the most recent example, and this, this is exactly why when we tap, take a look at Hamas, we, we, we should be shaking our head and going, what's going on? Because the, there's, there's an internal battle within Islam that basically says, no, Hamas should not be in agreement with and taking arms from the Sunnis because they're Shia. Shia. The same thing can be said for Hezbollah, and then you go flip it, flip it over to get to Al Qaeda and ISIS and so forth and so on. But when the common enemy, and they view the common enemy of Islam as at the core, Judeo Christianity and the God of Christianity, the God of Christianity is the enemy of all of Islam, and so it doesn't matter whether you're your Sunni or Shia. Um, at that point. So then it's my, me and my sect against the hypocrite and the apostate. <clears throat> well, who is the hypocrite and the apostate? Well, they have a rank order in terms of that. Um, the, the, first, the first people who are considered to be hypocrites and apostates are those, those individuals who were, we would call them um, liberal humanists who, ha- who have the, the, the approach to life that there is no God, um, that's the ultimate um, hypocrisy and apostasy. Um, and, and then in, 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 in it, because of the law of Islam, uh, when, you, when you try to sort that out, all of your LGBTQ community are in the hypocrite or apostate category, and if you were to transfer those folks over to Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, they would be, headed, be beheaded in 24 hours. Why? Because all of that is an anathema within Islam. There, there are no, there are no homosexuals, known homosexuals, in Islam, in Islamic areas, because it contradicts the Quran and the whole Sharia. And then it gets, then, then we move it up into the geopolitical area. It says, "Me and the Ummah, which is all Muslims." against America, Israel, the West, and all infidels. <clears throat> now, they flip it a little bit because the infidels' piece,
2: um,
3: <clears throat> when, when, when they start the process of actually doing the warfare, they have a ranking order in terms of who they go after first now and who they go after last um, because there's always in their mind the hope that people who are people who have a book, and when, when, I say, when they say people of the book, they mean people who who have a Bible or they have another religious document of, so, of sorts. There's some written, uh, written documentation that they use to, to support their religious system. Um, they're, they're the ones that, that they deal with last, and it's all, all the rest of them that, that, that are, are taken out first because they want to get the sin, if you will, as Islam looks at it, out of the way. So all of, all of those people who, who are um, agnostics, apostates, etc., uh, and, and moral deviance, they're the first ones to go, right? And they basically take them out, get, them rid, get rid of them, and say, okay, now we're going to talk to, to, the, to the next group, and then they go up this pecking order. And so we need to understand that this is how they think, and, and the, the fact that this is the way they think doesn't matter to what we think and, and, and the quicker that we accept the fact that this is exactly how they're going to function, fight, and, and engage in, in, in geopolitical relations, the better off we're going to be. And then we, we have to understand this issue. When you, when you understand Muslims and you understand Islam, this is the way they think. We love death. Love death. More than you love life. And they're taught, and they use this in, in specifically in, talk, in terms of talking to the Jews and, and to the Christians, all right? <clears throat> now, we love life, life in Christ, and, and all of the rest of it, in, in some of the, 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 the hymns that we were singing tonight. But you understand that there's a reason why they say we love death, because death for a Muslim is, and then how they die. And, and, and being driven to die in a certain way is, is, is at the, 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 the pinnacle of their goals and objectives. Because death for a Muslim, if you die in, in, in the work of jihad, in the work of Allah, is, is the ultimate death, because that means that you've, you've, you've passed all the... Everything else, and you go to heaven without question. Right? To have died doing the work of Allah means that you're 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 given you know a place in heaven, and you don't. There's nothing else that has to happen, <clears throat> and and it, there's no substitution. There's nothing else along that line that goes on. And and for example, there was there's been um, I, and I've seen this several times here in the last several weeks. There is the the illustration or the instance that. Um, and this was a, evidently, somebody was able to um, grab a hold of this, fo- this phone con- uh, conversation that was taking place between uh, one of the Hamas fighters and his mother. Um, and I, I double-checked it a couple times to make sure that this wasn't just, you know, folklore. Um, but he, he, and I'm going to put it in, in, in I, I don't have the exact quotes, but he said basically, Mom, guess what? I killed ten Jews. And Mom said, praise Allah right so when you when you that's not the way we function in the military. that's not how we think about the the, the work that we do and the rules of the rules of war, et cetera et etc and so as as we as we wrestle with this, understand that we're dealing with an entirely different uh, concept than, than anything that we we would naturally know about anywhere in in what's going on and so there's the, the issue of. Um, what we're going to do in the future is, is, this, is where, this is the way ahead. We're not going to do the, this tonight, but we're going to deal with key terms, definitions, ideological frameworks, which explains why we've got some of the things that are going on in the, in the Capitol building and other places, and who's, who's in allegiance with who, and, and, and who's marching down the streets together, and, and so forth. Uh, and it goes back to that proverb. Um, we're going look to at, look at historical declarations, going back uh, especially to 1914, and the Balfour Declaration, and then the UN and the other chords. Um, modern wars in the Middle East, geopolitical events, and then religious issues that that um, are, are explainable and understandable. And, and I'll, to- I'll toss one of them out that we're going to deal with, and that has to do with the issue of Roman Catholicism. <clears throat> because if you if you do a parallel analysis of of the religion of Catholicism and the religion of Islam, and you work it down from from hierarchy of, of authorities and so forth and so on. It is it is remarkably identical because it's a work salvation and a works work sanctification in Catholicism and there's a works uh, salvation and a works sanctification doing the right things for Allah and, and the two of them work down. and it explains why Pope Benedict the current the, the current Pope who is a um, he's a modern liberal in Catholic terms and that's there's more to it but. But he's the first pope that ever preached a sermon on the Arabian Peninsula. And where he preached it and, and the context in which he preached it under, under whose authority was very interesting. Right? That's a first. And then the second aspect about it is that <clears throat> we need to understand that the Roman Catholic Church has been anti-Semitic almost since its inception and we'll talk a little bit more about that and that's very crucial in terms of understanding a few things. So, let's let's again I want to I want to walk us through a few things. Please open up your bibles to Genesis chapter 15 for a minute. And this is where you, you begin the process of asking some tough questions about what do I believe and what do I understand and what's been what pieces of folklore have I been been taught? And, and, uh, and so forth. So open up to Genesis chapter 15, and if somebody would re- begin reading at verse 18 and read down through verse 21, that would be very helpful. Genesis 15, 18 to 21. Okay, what book of the Bible was this written in, recorded in? Genesis, okay. Is that important that it was written in Genesis, right? Very, and to whom was it written? And to whom was it given? Abraham. Abraham. Why is Abraham important in this discussion that we're dealing with? okay and and. And islam that's correct it's the abrahamic peace with christians is is that's another story all right but so it's at the very beginning of the establishment of religion and the establishment of the table of nations and the, the establishment of what is going on and so if you if you ask the question what is the promised land and you go so this is where um the israel of theodore Herzl in 1904 and that was the position of the zionists for a long long time because they read their bibles and they knew what the promised land was supposed to be and rabbi fleischmann in 47 which and he was arguing at the un that no it's not just palestine We're gonna come back to that in a minute. So and oh, and by the way, for those of you that are geography fanatics, the Euphrates River has not moved. All right? It's it still is a very large river. It it used to be a river that had delta and and it was huge. Um it in the Nile and the, the Mississippi, you know, there was there's a lot of comparison and it's just from a, from a river perspective. And so where you see this, this gray space, where you see Syria, the, the Euphrates River is the east boundary as it comes through the middle of Iraq and then down to the Persian Gulf. And then all the way over on the other side, um, you see that delta at the top where it intersects with the, uh, drops into the Mediterranean Sea. And that, that, that border there is the Nile River. So if you're going to, if you, if, you, if you listen to what's going on, eliminate the Jews from the sea to the river, and they're talking about Jordan, they don't even have it right, okay? But that's probably because the Jews don't have it right. Because this is what God said to Abraham. That's your land. So let me ask you this question in terms of human history. When in human history have the Jews actually populated that entire landmass area? Never. Right? And that's significant, okay? So from the very beginning, all the way back in, in, in Genesis 15, there's an aspect of this covenant that God had laid down with Abraham. That they've never fulfilled, and that's been characteristic of Israel, with all of the covenants and all of the, the aspects of the covenants, um, for all of human history. Now we, I've got a second map over here, um, and and this is the twelve maps of, of uh, the map of the twelve tribes in 1400 BC, and you can if if you blow this one up, you can actually see where you know all the tribes are, the twelve tribes, and and they they barely they barely, except for you know a couple of the a couple of the um, of the tribes that said, "Look, I'm I'm tired of traveling. Let me stay on this side of the Jordan." Right, right. Remember that. And and so, but but why? Was that was that covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 abrogated? No. Well, why did why did why did they just stop at the Jordan, or why did God allow them to stop? Because He knew better. That they weren't going to go any further and they would be lucky if they actually um um conquered all of all of what was called the promised land at that point point. and they never did they always left a remnant of the the i the the, the pagans etc um there now we when we when we move forward into the into the, to the day and age in which we live now this is and uh, this is this is a very very fascinating map and, and here's where we're going to have to start to deal with names and terms and terminology. It says, Palestinian loss of land, 1946 to the present. So let's try to figure this out. All right? What is Palestine? All right? Let's, let's, let's approach this from an American perspective. All right? So in the United States, we have this place called Appalachia, all right? Where is Appalachia? South of here, all right? It's, it's the area around the Appalachian Mountains, right? Um, if you live in Appalachia, are you an Appalachian? No. You're probably a citizen of what? West Virginia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, right? But in, in that context, you're you're also a what? An American, okay? But take it a step further. The people who live in Appalachia are also often just like we are here are often what else? Some of them were Germans some of them were Poles, some of them were Brits, Scots, Irish. They have an ethnicity, they have a a national history, an ethnic history. right. Now the closest we can come to this as it relates to this aspect of things, is that the people who live in, in Appalachia, I guess the, their ethnicity is hillbilly. All right? But the, the reason why I'm trying to make this illustration is, is that when we talk about Palestine, Appalachia and Palestine are identical in the key aspects of terminology, they are both just geographic areas. There are are geographic areas that you can put on the map and you can can trace the history of the geography. You can take this all the way back to almost the earliest of history and then all of a sudden you you get the word Palestine starts to become a part of the geography that's associated with um, uh, war and, and the conquering of areas. And, and so at, at the same time, when we, when we go back to this and you look down in the south, south of this and you look at some of the other maps, you have, and then we looked at to Genesis chapter 15, all of those ites, those are the people groups. And, and there are people groups that lived in this area of Palestine. That aren't even listed in Genesis 15 but they're in the table of Nations and other things <clears throat> and so when you when you hear somebody use the word Palestinian that should throw red flags because you, there is no such thing as an ethnic group called Palestinian and if you and, if, and this is why this article is going to become important although I've, I've got to, I'm going to go back to the editor and I'm going to I talked to him about this because of the way they even used it in World Magazine, and they're generally pretty solid about some of this stuff. <clears throat> so by the time we get to the 1940s and, and this time of the year, this time of, of history, history, rather, there were there were basically nobody living along this part. It was basically a f- fishing villages here and there, right? And it wasn't until we get to 1946 1947 that we begin to see this massive change in terms of the uh, the population group and and when we when you look at some of the the, uh, the cords that, that 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 took place in the in the 20th century um, there was huge migrations the the Jews basically took Israel basically you know bust all the Jews from Gaza to 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 the rest of Israel so that Gaza could become just Arab. And we'll, we'll talk about in the future um, this issue of Arab and Israel, Arab and Jew. And so when you ask yourself what is a Palestinian, the answer to the question is this, either a Jew or an Arab who has chosen to live in the land of Palestine. So you, you could say, I'm an Arab-Palestinian or am I, I'm a jewish Palestinian but to say I am a Palestinian is, is, is totally inaccurate and it's a political term it's a propaganda term that has been that has originated um, in the 20th century um, for purposes and so when we ask the question why does it matter well we'll cover that next week but it's crucial if we don't get this kind of stuff straight We don't understand the nature of the conflict, and we don't understand where it's going and why it's going the way it's going and and what's happened in the past, and hopefully I'll have this for you next week. So with that, I'm going to stop and faster, I guess.